Well, welcome to the latest ASA podcast with me, Dr. Chris Keel. The subject today is gas, <clears throat> not that kind of gas. Um, we're going to talk about natural gas. Well, I guess that's natural too, but we're talking more about the fuel version of natural gas. Lots and lots of headlines around what's going on when it comes to natural gas. And the war, more or less, between nations over supply is really starting to heat up. You're seeing it show up in all the major headlines. Whether it's Europe or Asia or even to a certain extent the U.S., everyone is now trying to get ready for the winter. And there's a shortage of gas. And we all know why. This is related to the Russian sanctions as have been the higher prices for oil. <clears throat> Basically, what's going on is that people are trying to solidify their supply before winter hits. And this is driving the price of gas even higher. It's already gone up by a factor of five in Europe and similarly in the United States. Almost every LNG supplier in the country is going flat out trying to supply the demand and it just continues to escalate. The sanctions that we imposed on Russia were not supposed to have been in place this long. We thought that they would give in long before now, which of course has not been the case. And as a result, that amount of gas has not been on the market. Russia is consistently the second largest gas producer in the world. The U.S. is number one. And then there's a pretty sharp fall off to number three, four, and so on. So one of the countries that will start becoming a bigger factor in the next couple of years is Gutter. They're in the process of developing a new gas field with the cooperation of several U.S. and European oil companies. They've got an agreement in place with ConocoPhillips, ExxonMobil, Shell, E&I out of Italy, Total out of France, and when they get that developed, it will make them the second largest gas producer in the world. But in the meantime, we're dependent on the U.S. and Russia, if Russia ever came back in. What that means for countries varies. I mean, obviously, it's a huge fuel for Europe. I mean, this is the the crux of the sanction crisis there. Europe is in anywhere between 40 and 60% dependent on gas coming from Russia, and the, and the supply has been reduced. The Russians have cut the supply coming through Nord Stream 1 to about 20% of capacity. Now, they're claiming that the reason this is taking place is that there's a turbine that's been in Quebec for repair, and that turbine has not returned to Russia. The Russians are claiming that this has been interfered with by the sanctions. The Canadians and the Europeans are denying this and saying, nope, you can have the turbine anytime you want. It's fixed, it's ready, we can ship it. We've suspended the sanctions so that you can get the turbine, so you're lying. This is an excuse. Basically, it's the Russians telling their own people that, hey, this isn't our fault. You know, it's those dastardly Canadians and Europeans, and the Europeans and Canadians are saying, well, you may be able to lie to your own people, but it's not true. So <clears throat> it's becoming a, a game of, of chicken, really. Both sides really trying to see how far they can push the other. The implication for particularly ASA is that natural gas plays a role in not just fuel, but also as feedstock for a lot of the plastics and rosins that are used in many of the products that are critical to ASA members. Those are becoming more expensive too. 
the natural gas that might have been used and diverted into production of that material is being used for just straight fuel, and that's not likely to shift in the immediate future. Awful lot of development now around natural gas, and frankly, decisions that were made two or three years ago are now kind of coming back to haunt. Fossil fuel has been struggling to get any investment attention. Everyone's focus was on alternatives. You know, let's do more wind, let's do more solar, let's do this, that, and the other. Well, in the first place, you don't use wind or solar to produce feedstock for plastics. But more than that, we're not ready to be free of fossil fuel. It is still 75% of what we need as far as, as fuel is concerned between oil, gas, and coal. It's a real tricky balance right now. You know, you want to push more towards alternatives just to reduce this dependence on fossil fuel, but we're not ready to cut it off just yet. And when you get interruptions like have been created by sanctions, it just complicates the issue further. So the bad news is prices are going to continue to go up. It's going to go up for natural gas itself. This is going to be a very expensive heating year. And it's going to go up in terms of how natural gas is used as feedstock. One last thing to be aware of is that governments are behaving as you would expect them to, particularly politicians. And they're like, I know, let's punish the gas and oil companies with high taxes and deal with those excessive profits, etc. Granted, those profits have been very high, but remember, this is a pricing structure determined by a market. Nobody was crying crocodile tears for the oil sector in 2020 when the price per barrel was 20 bucks. That's what the market set. Now the markets are setting it much higher. And if the companies are making a lot of money, well, it's because the markets are pushing the price up. What we need to be doing is encouraging these companies to put that money into more development. And that's kind of a combination of incenting them to do that and telling them that it's okay to invest in fossil fuel again. So it's a political issue at almost every level. And with that happy note, I'm going to leave you for this week, and next week we'll find something other depressing topic to talk about. Thanks very much. Bye.